Hello and welcome back to Don't Look Down, the mental health and well-being podcast where I, Emily Taylor, have been fortunate to speak and chat to people about things that have happened to them in their life, um, whether that's been bouts of depression, traumatic experiences, a variety of things, how it sort of impacted their life, but more importantly, how they've learned coping mechanisms along the way and how they've come out the other side. And, and, you know, hopefully by you listening, this will inspire people to sort of get help and know that, um, you know, you can come out the other side and, and things aren't the same forever. So, you find me today, Saturday, I have the girls upstairs playing. So if you hear lots of banging, I'm having a sort of play day. So the next person that I'm going to be chatting to and you're going to be hearing all about is Joey Elmer. Very, very intelligent young man. And um, I've had the privilege of working with him. Now, Joey has suffered with severe depression and mental health issues since he was 17. And very unfortunately, he didn't actually get a diagnosis or help until he was 29. So that's a long time to go. So life has, has thrown some pretty bad luck Joey's way, which he shares quite openly and honestly. But he's going to be sort of delving into some learning coping mechanisms and ways that have helped him also try to manage sleep deprivation and anxiety bouts. So this is quite in-depth and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to relate to some of the things that Joey has suffered from. So enjoy. And some people that I don't know, and I'm very fortunate to know you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Take it as a compliment. Yeah, I will. How long have we worked together now? I'm coming up to six months now. Yes. Yeah. So we sit next to each other at work. Yep. And we've gotten to know each other quite well. I'd say so, yeah. We feel quite comfortable with each other. And after you told me about a couple of struggles that you've had in your life, I was like, I think you'd be really good on this podcast. I think you've got a lot to offer. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I can help in any way. I mean, I'm, I went through periods where I wasn't very open and it's not helpful. And I'm really help, really happy to kind of just... It's kind of, it's kind of therapeutic as well to just I discuss so. it. And once it's out there, it's out there, which is the main thing. So I'm really happy to, to help in any way I can. Brilliant. Thank you. So, how are you today? And I don't just mean, yeah, how are you, like the thing that you say on the phone to people. I mean, really, how are you? Um, I mean, today I'm, I'm pretty good uh, mental state-wise. I'm, uh, you know, I've just finished work, so I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> uh, and this heat isn't doing me any favours. And hay fever isn't great, but 
mentally, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I've had, it's one of my up days. Um, I'd say I got some good, good rest on the weekend and that really helps as well. Doesn't it just sleep and rest definitely make the mind a happier place. So you have suffered with depression since you were 17. It, roughly, I mean, it could have been slightly before, um, but 17 is when I, I can think back to okay. when I first kind of felt the way I feel now. And what do you think triggered that sort of, you know, the depression at that sort of young, tender age? There was a lot um, family-wise going on. Um, my mum and dad, I mean, they got divorced around that time. They're going through a rocky place. Like, when I was 16, I know that I was struggling, but it wasn't depression, it was just stress because of school and stuff like that. Yeah. And they, uh, it was a very kind of turbulent, it's probably a good word, um, relationship and between me and my father, my father and everyone else. Um, so it, it kind of... The things that happened that made me that way when I was 17, 18, however old I was, were right back from when I was a child. Uh, mm. But we'll, I'll, I'll get, we got go further into that in a moment. But yeah, it's more. Uh, it, well, I don't know. Like 17 was when it kind of hit, and it was to do with family stuff, really. Mm. Um, Which can often be the case, can't there's, it? There's there's there, there's other stuff, but it's it's not. It's loads of little things, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people get with depression. It's a lot of little things kind of mount up, and you don't know how to deal with them. Yep. And obviously, I'm 30, so that's 13, 13 years ago now. Mm. And different time, you didn't really express what you felt. You didn't really, I didn't talk to my parents about anything like that at all. So you kind of build it up, and I think that made it worse. And I mm. think not getting the help at the time, which obviously I didn't yeah. know existed. I think that might have been why it got such a, so, so bad. With I think so, so. When did you get help? Because I think from the conversations with help we've had, it was wasn't that long ago, was it? I think it's just over a year ago now. So yeah. twenty, I was twenty nine, and um, it was it was um, it was weird. So I've I've struggled for years, and people have like. Friends have been there for me, and yeah. I've shut down, spent days in bed. You know the normal kind of things that kind of happen when you're suffering, and you just kind of do it in silence. And I remember it, it's always something triggers it. And I was this woman that she was, she wanted to have me and her. She had a boyfriend. I've got a unfortunately a bit of a history with being that other guy and oh, okay. but that's a choice that I've made I don't do it anymore in fact in, since last year doesn't interest me in the slightest and it's because and it was all harmful behaviors that I was doing and she brought that to the forefront but the way she treated me because I allowed her to treat me so terribly right. um, I wasn't a saint not at all but I was putting more into it than they were. I was always going to get hurt, and I knew that was going to happen. And I saw that behaviour, so I went to the doctors, and they were like, you know, well, let's try medication. And one of the big things of why I didn't go until I was twenty nine was because I did not want to be on medication. I didn't want to be that person that, you know, you're going to get defined by this thing. And again, this is all things I put on myself, not really externally. Mm -hmm. So I did it, went on medication. And the company I worked for at the time offered uh, this well-being and wellness uh, <clears throat> like thing. I can't remember. It's like health assured. They were called. I can't remember. But um, they basically like, they did like CBT stuff and counselling over the phone, Brilliant. and it was free. 
work paid for it. I think that's great. And I, I got CBT help on that, and that really, really showed me that my behaviours were negative, and I was treating myself terribly because yeah. I felt like I deserved it. So cognitively, yeah, it's that whole beating yourself up in your brain and self-loathing and all those other things. Yeah. Um, but when you go through CBT and you think about the way that you think and your patterns and um, it can make you think, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, on that point, I then went to the doctor and got, because that was a private thing and I was leaving that company. That was brilliant though. I think, mm. I think a lot of, um, I'm sorry to interrupt, I think a lot of workplaces should have that as a service. It's people. not cheap. I know, I know it was thousands a month, but yeah. that was their, you know, it, to them they saw it as, because again, it depends on the person that you work for, but they saw it as a thousand pounds a month for my whole company to have an outlet, stops them being off work. Yes. And it did, because it, I did take a couple of days, well, I didn't, I've never took a day off of depression, but I had a day where, you know, I didn't feel well or I booked the next day off because I felt bad the day before. So it never was a sickness, but, mm. you know, I always had to manage that because you be careful, you don't get sick pay, for example, there. Mm. And uh, when they had that situation, I rang them up and it was just such a great feeling to talk to someone. I'm more of an over-the-phone person than an in-person person mm -hmm. when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah. Because I had CBT recently through the NHS and it, it had varying results, but I think it, that comes down to the person you speak to and mm -hmm. I don't think I gave it enough time. That could be my fault. But I definitely found over-the-phone was easier because I was in my own room, in my own space. I could talk like I was, no one was there. It was yeah. really, really, really You were good. a lot more comfortable than being face-to-face yeah. -face with somebody because it's a lot more real then, isn't it? <clears throat> and yeah, and it allowed me, it allowed me to actually process stuff. Yeah. As opposed to saying, because when someone's in front of me, I'm really good at, and I, I hate to say this, but I'm really good at giving them the information they want from their body signals. I'm one of those people that looks at people and go, right, okay, I can. you want to hear this, you want to hear that. Over the phone, I can't do that. And no. when I'm on the phone... So you have to just I tear just, all... Just be bare. Open your heart. Which is the best? Which is yeah. the best? So do you think that your depression has played a part in your uncontrolled tics? And um, would you mind sharing what type of tics and what they yeah, of are? Of course, tics? yeah. So um, up until like six months ago, I would never talk about them. I was very ashamed of who, what they were and who, who I was and that people were just ripping it into me constantly. They weren't, but I felt they were. Yeah. I'd walk out of the room and I'd think, well, they just, they're all talking about it. No one cared. No, and Usually don't. I have to mention it before people really notice it. There are yeah, some. Yeah, I didn't notice it straight away. One of our colleagues did, but he didn't think, he went, oh, okay. And I, he felt bad and I was like, that's when I kind of had a trigger. I was like, he shouldn't feel bad because of something that I do. Mm. So that kind of opened it up for me. So I, I take the mick out of it now, I, I laugh at it. but. I think depression caused me to have these tics, or circumstances around depression caused me to have these tics. Um, a lot to do with, um, like for example, uh, my dad knows I talk about this openly. We're, we're okay now, but back yeah. then we weren't. When I was in my teenage years, he would line us up and scream at us in the face to face, like inches away from our face. Mm -hmm. So I would count the ceiling tiles so I didn't have to concentrate on him. And that became... Good distraction. But that's now become my safety yeah. behaviour for everything. And I do it... I'm sat in a room and I get slightly anxious. I start looking at corners, looking at ceiling tiles, counting lights. So is that classed as a tick then? Yes. Or so, OCD? Um, well, or a bit they're of They're very, very, very similar. They but are, aren't a they? A tick is involuntary. I can't... I mean, I, I feel good when I do it, but it's something I have to do. 
like a compulsion, but OCD is more a case of you cannot function until you've done it. Yeah. So yes. it's not quite as severe. That. We have, I mean, um, another thing that my doctor said maybe in the future I should get tested for Tourette's. It could be something to do with that, but I'm a bit old for Tourette's. So what kind of ticks do you have, if you don't mind just explaining so I've got, the piss of people? Yeah, yeah, of course. I've got one where, um, I, I, that, that one, there, that one, yeah. that one, yeah. um, that one I just can't help. That one just happens. It makes me feel good to do it. It makes my brain feel relaxed. Okay. So it's really hard to counter that one, but I'm getting better. The other one is like a noise. Yeah, that's the one I hear. Yeah, and I try not to do it. But that one's a new one. That one's only in the last year. Um, losing my job, obviously. Uh, finding a new one here, which I absolutely love. So it stresses and obviously going back, which will touch on the, the relationship with your father. So that's what, again, has triggered those. So the depression from an early age and then having it you know the difficult when your mom and dad got divorced not having the best relationship with your father you've developed these tics and well <laughs> i i was talking to my therapist about this when mm. i was when i was in therapy and uh she we came to the conclusion that it comes down to a lot to do with my family my brothers my family unit um mm. basically my brother you know he's on the spectrum or what have you but he He's fine, like, but he's on the he's on the scale, and I oh, would scale of sorry autism. Yeah, that's okay. Um, he's uh, you know, he's fine. He's functioning. He works has his own place. He's fine. Cool. But growing up, my dad was very much over the top of he can't do anything because he's autistic. Well, it wasn't classed as autistic then; it was something else. But it's now been clarified, and it is autism. Finally, sure. he's thirty two yeah. years of age. It's Blessing. finally been yeah. But he's never diagnosed had, and never had any that's help. A long time, no help from the government, really? nothing like that. He's thirty-two years and of age. And in mainstream schools, and uh, he went to like a special school to start with, but otherwise, yeah, he went to Parkside, um, yeah. then he went to North Bromsgrove. You know, yeah, the local, normal, yeah. normal, normal. He's a year behind, but that was it. You know, normal everyday functioning. Do you think that's helped him in some ways? Or that's not? helped him great because he just gets on with life. He doesn't need. He's not. He's very functioning. He's very good. But there's little things like, and when I was so going back to when I was a kid, and living he, with that, yeah. he would, um, he was fine. He wasn't aggressive. It was in fact the opposite. He was very lazy, very laid back. But my parents wouldn't push too much because he was, uh, meant, he had mental Ill, like mental disabilities, mm. and I would then have to pick up the slack for his chores, for his things, for more pressure. So I was like, he's the eldest. He's meant to protect me. He's supposed to be my elder brother, and I'm here making sure he's okay. And for the record, there's one of four of you. So yeah, so you've got an older brother, you, and then two younger ones. Yeah, so the two younger brothers, they obviously had whatever chores at certain ages, but by which time, like my brother Ted, he never really had to worry too much because my dad had got divorced before. Like, I mean, Ted's 24, mm -hmm. I'm 30, so he would have been 11. Yeah. So, you know, not so, really much yeah. going on. Um, it would have affected him. So but you had to pick up the pieces and take the uh, yeah. flat for a lot. I was on, and I used to take it upon myself to make sure that if my dad was shouting, he would try and do it towards me, take the burden, take the pressure off everyone else. So that sort of thing has really bred this kind of worthlessness and brought this kind of like, these little things have all built up and I never dealt with them because I thought they were normal. Like I've got friends who, <laughs> I think you've overheard me say this in the office, but I'll repeat it now. Sure. I, I've, I look at a friend of mine who I've known for years, 
and she, her parents are still together and they get on and they go they love each other they, you know yeah and i find that strange i'm like why why is that normal that's not normal but that should be well not normal that should be just another part of life i always grew up thinking that families were nuclear were toxic and now my family relationships are a lot better because i don't i don't have well i can always leave i can always walk out i couldn't when i was a kid and i suppose when you're the age that you are now and you look back you can figure things out but you can't and it's impossible sometimes to figure those things out of what's normal what isn't normal you know all those are the things that you've just mentioned about taking the flack and having difficult times and feeling worthless because you took a lot of the bollockings, I guess. In a, in a nice way, yeah. <laughs> you know, and feeling that you didn't, you know, so you took all of that on your shoulders. So I suppose, you know, you do think that's that's normal at that point. And it's not until you get older and you look back and think, actually, no, that was, that was wrong. And now I'm suffering because of it. Yeah, completely, completely. Um, it's got better once I, you know, forgive. I mean, I, he, my dad, to his credit, I mean, three, four years ago, he rang me up and asked me, was he a good father? Because obviously he'd been told otherwise. And he rang my brothers up and they were like, ask Joe. Every one of them, ask Joe. Don't ask me, ask Joe. So I told him the truth and it was so good. Yeah. I wasn't scared to lose him as my father at that point. I didn't care. Um, here's how I feel. This is what you've done. This is why I am who I am. He jokes about it now and says, oh, you're going to blame me for that now, aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, actually. And I do, I, I, I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, you're not getting away with it now. <clears throat> you are the reason. Not He's not all of the things, but he was a big part of it growing up. <clears throat> so do you think that what made him phone you? Do you think what made him start thinking, do you know what, have I been a good father? I think it comes down to the fact that he's just turned, he was turning 60. Mm. And I think he realised... He thought he was a good person, and he is. He's a sweet person in many ways. And I never went hungry, and I never had, you know, I never suffered. We were never poor, even though we could have been. He was never that person. No. He used to work so hard, and I admire him. He used to work like 18 hour days to keep food on the table, that sort of person. Mm -hmm. Respect for him and the work ethic, not a problem. His capabilities of dealing with his children or his family has always been toxic. Um, him and his mother loved each other to pieces. He used to like scream at each other up until the day she died. Like, I mean, he was there for her, held her hand, made sure her house. This is your nan. My nan, yeah, was ready for, was ready to move back. So it's a generation thing by the looks of it, then. <laughs> but they loved each other, yeah. and you knew they did. And he was the one that actually, when it all came he down, some marriages like that, they scream at each other. And you think, how can you? He's yeah. toxic yeah. and unhealthy, yeah. but then there's this love. It's, and it's weird, yeah. but if he was the first person there when she was ill, he was the first person getting things sorted. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the eldest, again, that's another weird thing, I guess, but mm -hmm. he took upon all this, he's gonna make sure everything's right, and he was, and he, and he was phenomenal. And that was one of the moments where I realized that actually this man is just a broken man. He's just in the same journey I am, but he will never accept his depression, which is fine. And that's when I realized that he wasn't the monster that I'd been building him up yeah. to be. He was just a broken man with kids who didn't know how to do anything, didn't know what was going on with his wife, you know, that stuff. And that's when uh, a lot of the things alleviate, but obviously the things still resist, reside, but I can now f put them together. You can understand them a little bit more. Yeah. And I think there's something very relieving, I guess, for mm. you, the fact that he phoned you and you were able to get that off your chest because it's a burden to carry around, oh, isn't it? It was. When you haven't got the best relationship with your dad and you've got unanswered questions and the whys and then you, 
you know, the, the fear of when you're growing up that you don't want to say certain things because you don't think feel right. And yeah, so those were your main triggers to depression, you know, having an autism brother and, you know, growing up with that. How, what's your relationship with like with all, with all of your brothers? So, me and mum used to be close, but not as much anymore. Yeah. She lives, um, she lives out of Wolverhampton. I go and see her when I can. Um, my dad lives out in Kidderminster. I go see him more often than my mum actually. It's mm. closer. Um, cause I live in Cheltenham yes, obviously. Yes. Um, and then you've got, uh, Sam. I see him every now and then, but not much. He just gets on with his life. Yeah. It's more a case of, not in a nasty way, he doesn't need to speak to me all the time. So um, Sam is the... The eldest, all the, the eldest. Okay. And Will and Ted, sorry, Bill and Ted. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> they must get called Bill and Ted if it's Will and uh, Ted. You get excellent adventures all the time. Yes. They, I don't know how they've dealt with it. They get on with it well. Fair um, play. They live up in Sheffield together. Um, they're actually sh living in the same flat at the moment to save money. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, they're all, we all get on, we all talk, but it's not really anymore. Like we've never, we don't need to be each other's back pockets. Like yeah. some people need to speak to their family every day. Yeah. yeah. We don't, don't we, yeah. we don't. And the reason why we've been through a lot, we don't need to prove it to anyone else and prove it to ourselves. And then like one day I'll get a message and he might, they might say, do you want to come up, spend a day in Sheffield? All right. Sam's like, my like, Sam, do you want to go see dad? Yeah. All right. It's, so it's very laid back. It is very laid back, but in a There's good no way. There's no pressures of the, oh, I've got to see my brother this week. Or the only, the only one that is my dad puts pressure on me to go see Sam. Mm. Uh, but Sam, and I'm like, no, Sam doesn't want to see me either. Not in a nasty way. He just He's busy. He works six days a week. Do you know what I mean? So what does Sam do for a living? He, work, he cleans um, at a supermarket. Mm. He works for an agency that works for him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, and he, he does that. He's got his own little room in a shared place. He's pretty so much he's getting on in life and he's yeah, doing well. He's doing he's good. I'm very proud of him. Oh, that's nice. Um, so how is your mental health currently? And what help do you have to manage your symptoms? And have you learned any sort of coping mechanisms along the way? Because obviously you only got help and put on medication a year ago. Yes, yeah, so the medication was uh, that's been changed a few times now. Yeah. Now I'm on a steady flow. Um, Hundred milligrams of sertraline is what it now. Yeah. Uh, I started off as a Cilipram, did nothing at all. <laughs> went to fifth. Um, so it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. But mm -hmm. went up and up and up and I got got it all checked. But uh, yeah, it's a battle every day. I mean, I still struggle to get up in the morning, even though I like coming to work and I like getting up and, and it's a new day. I really do appreciate how lucky I am with so many things. Mm. But no, sometimes I get up in the morning and I just lie there and I think you know what, I think if I didn't have to participate in this world today, I'd be pretty happy if it moved over me and went away with me because life does just carry on without you. And that's the sort of thought I have a lot. But how I deal with it is so much better than it used to be. Good. So when I have those things like, well, you've got to go to work, otherwise you don't get paid. That's just that. And while I'm in the shower, I then talk to myself in the shower, you know, brush my teeth or whatever. I'm like, Think about this week, you've got to get in the car, have your breakfast, take your salad with you, because I'm eating salads now, apparently. And, healthy uh, eating, healthy mind. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, uh, I'm eating a lot better as Good. well, um, which is the hardest thing, because I used to just eat takeaways all the time. That's why I've put on so much weight from it. But it's so easy to fall into that trap as well, isn't it? We're all get, guilty of it. Well, you get home from work, you're like, I'm tired, and you use that as an excuse, but really what you are is you're, you just want to be left alone, and you don't want to talk 
cook, you don't want to go downstairs and accidentally bump into someone. You order the food, you take it off them, you run upstairs, you don't speak to anyone. It's so much easier to do that. Mm. And I've had to stop myself doing that. And ways I've stopped myself to say, you're going to feel so much better tomorrow if you don't do this thing you're going to do tonight. And I don't mean necessarily health-wise. I just think, like, if I... Um, Say I go to order a takeaway, I go, you know what? I'll have beans on toast tonight. I like beans. I love beans on toast. Yeah, it's good for you. <laughs> so I'll have beans on toast. Next morning, I wake up and I go, I just saved a tenner last night. Exactly. And it's those little battles that I've had to deal with. Those are my coping things. Baby like, steps. There's a thing I've got. This is a really, really sad thing. And um, I, I didn't know I was going to tell you this, but I will. I've got two states of mind. Okay. And I call one past Joey and one future Joey. I like that. So... When past Joey doesn't want to do something, he has to think of future Joey. That's everything I do. So it's like, all right, you don't want to do that, that's fine. How's future Joey going to react to that? How's he going to deal with that? And you're like, well, if you do that, and like, like I didn't put fuel in my car today, so bad past Joey, didn't go to the shop and put fuel in the car. <laughs> so future Joey's like, well, I've got to do the, you know, it's a job that I've got to do on a work night now. you know now. what? That's, that's, my, that's my bad. <laughs> I literally drive the car until it's on orange. <laughs> and one of these days, you're going to get stuck. Yeah, it is. And it will serve me right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to adopt that attitude. Well, literally, when I, won't, when I don't want to get up in the morning, when I don't want to get out, I'm like, you know, in 12 hours time, it's all going to be over. Yeah. What you had to do that was so scary and so anxiety inducing and so depressing means nothing in 12 hours time because you've done it. It's all gone. And that. And then is, you'll feel glad that you didn't stay in bed. Because it's so easy to, isn't it? And then it, what you have... This is the big thing. And I, these are my coping. I don't think it's going to work for everyone. Some people might hear this and go, what is he talking about? But once future Joey gets to future Joey, if you know what I mean, yeah. which is always an ongoing thing, always thank past Joey. Go, I, I literally... I'm, I'm laying there go, oh, did I do what? I go, oh, yeah, I did my washing. I put it away. Thanks, past Joey. And it just makes me... Because then I haven't got to stress. There's no anxiety. No, I like so it. So all my clothes works. are washed ironed. All my food is prepped for the yeah. week. Apart from the fuel... All my shopping's done. I haven't got anything to worry about for the week because past Joey took care of it. Although past Joey at the time was present yes. Joey, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. <laughs> when future, when Joey looks at future Joey, it's 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 no, just it's a, good though, and I think it's good to differentiate them because you think, well, you know, there might be a day when you just think, actually, I need to be past Joey today because I need to ride this out and then start again tomorrow. But if you can start the Monday, because it is a Monday today, with that positivity of thinking. Future Joey has done the shopping. Or well, past Joey's done the shopping, sorry. Past, sorry, yeah. past Joey's done the shopping. <laughs> I was just confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, done all these things, prepped obviously your lunches. You know, that's going to make future Joey feel much better and relaxed. There's no stress. And you know, I know that when I get up in the morning, it's like, oh, you know, I could skip lunch. I can't. I've made it. It's going to go off otherwise. You've got to eat it. Mm. And I'm like, well, future Joey can't let past Joey down. And... And it, it, it's kind of weird, and I know it could come across as a bit of a multiple personality, but it's not. It's just two states of mind. And future... I've never heard that one, but I like oh, it. I don't know where and I... it works. I don't, know, works. I don't know where I got it but from. But you are intelligent and you are clever. So, you know, and it shows. I'm not going to argue with that again. No. I'm just going to accept it. And the whole... <laughs> what you've just said, actually, while we're on the subject, the fact that you thank past Joey, I think that's a really good thing to show gratefulness and to thank people because it is the little things, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like 
it's also because you can get so wrapped up in yourself and how your own state of mind is in mental health that sometimes you can forget about other people and actually by helping someone else or being kind to someone else that you know i don't know whether you're good at picking up whether someone mm, else is feeling good. shitty or in a bit of a dark place it's good then to sort of help them and be really kind to them and yeah. recognize it. don't 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 say you're all right <laughs> just little things they do we go oh thanks for that like getting some of the glass of water oh thanks for that it can make their day it can make their it? day yeah and you don't know what that's going you never know what someone's battle is and what someone's story is you never can. You can look someone up and down all day. You'll never know. No. I mean, I think I'd say I give out a good, positive kind of version of myself, but inside I can be absolutely hating myself. I mean, mm. self-loathing is something like I can't. It's something I have to battle with every day. I don't like the size I am. So I'm fatter than I was ten years ago. Of course, I'm fatter than I was ten years ago. But you're doing something about it. <laughs> well, it's not even that. I'm still going to be bigger it's just as you get older your metabolism slows down i eat like a horse i can't you know <laughs> you like your food there's nothing wrong you know with what that. as long as i can still walk but and i'm not as big as i think i am i tell myself no, i'm obese and blah, blah blah but i'm not it's just that's the self-loathing and another trick that i have before i go to bed and this is really really kind of sad in a cutesy way I always say to myself, I love you, Joe. And I go, I love you. And I go, I love you too. Like as if I'm talking to two different people because it's, it's the two parts of my state of mind just it's in my funny. head. I don't say that loud. It's funny because but. people struggle with that one. Even if I don't believe it, I still, it's like. People struggle <coughs> with it. And even to look at yourself in the mirror and say it. Yeah, I can do that now. The big thing, like, I don't know if you have this in everyone's family, and I don't want to assume your listeners have the same relationship. You've just heard like over the last 15 minutes that mine's been quite turbulent, quite tumultuous, uh, quite nasty sometimes. Um, if me and my brothers have a falling out, and I mean it could be a massive falling out, mm. within 10 minutes we've forgotten about it and we'll say, love you. Yeah. Even if, even if I've had a, a bla- my brother could have slept with my girlfriend and it could have been a blazing row, I'd be like, I'm really angry at you. Okay, love you, bye. And I still say I love you. <laughs> Through gritted teeth, I, l- I love you, bye. <laughs> and that was installed into me as a young age, because when my parents go, as I've always been told, we'll only have each other, which is a, it sounds sad, but it's beautiful. Mm. When my parents are gone, we only have each for us four to look yeah. after ourselves. No, I and that not. is great. So we never fall out. Mm. Even when we do fall out, we don't. We used to fight, like, wrestling because my little brother loved wrestling we used to like ddt and power bomb each other through things i remember once my brother came around a corner i hit him you know the loft sticks you have like yes. you can bring the loft stairs down and we're hitting him in the in the chest with that he went down and pinned him uh and my brother other brother came out of one place and tapped, like tapped three times i won so uh we used to do all that we used to be really rough and aggressive with each other you boys four boys together as well <laughs> well sam used to stay away because sam would have killed us yes yeah. <laughs> sam is a <laughs> I love him. There's nothing to do with his autism. He's just a monster. He's a big. He's fat, but he's strong. Yeah. And nobody would mess with him. But my point there is, you have to be able to say if you can say I love you to someone who has absolutely ruined you that day, and still think, no matter what you've done, and I mean I'm not going to talk to you for a month. I still love you, and I want you to know that mm. you should be able to do that to yourself who's fighting the same battle as yourself at the same time. Brilliant. And I think that's important. Don't get me wrong, I'm no saint. This does not happen every day, but there are days, like last night, I slept well last night because I felt I got everything done and I'd forgotten the hand of the petrol. But, you know. It's just one thing. I mean, everything was done. Yeah, but that's another thing. 
Another trick, sorry, I know we're not talking about no, tricks, but um, you know when you have those thoughts that are like, you're shit. Yes. You know, everyone has those uh, uh, intrusive or thoughts. everyone hates me. Yeah, or why do I even bother? Why am I here? There's a great trick, and I can't remember which person told me this, is just to go, so that thought comes in, go, huh, that was interesting, and move on. Because what that does is it tells your brain, I'm done with that thought, mm. next yeah. And I don't know how I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. But for me, if I go, huh, that was interesting. It could have been literally like because uh, I have quite a vivid and quite distorted imagination. You could I mean I see a lot of weird, horrible things in my brain. Imagine like seeing your mum having a skin peeled off. Like we're talking real dark stuff. Yeah. And I go, huh, that was interesting. It's forgotten. Done. Don't yeah. remember it. It's good to move on, isn't it? And people uh, do have weird, strange thoughts. And I think depression. That's a form of OCD, actually. I was listening to. Um, have you heard of Bryony Gordon? No. She's she's a lady that um, runs marathons basically in her pants, and she's done it to prove to people it doesn't matter if you've got wobbly bits, if you're not super thin. Okay. You should be proud of your body, and she's you know, done a lot for, for young women um, and men that, you know, have got, you know, problems and, and issues with their body and wearing certain clothes and, you know, she's done this. Um, she really struggled growing up um, with mental health issues and addiction and really bad OCD where she had strange, weird thoughts like that. Okay. Really strange thoughts um, where she'd think, oh God, you know, am I a paedophile? She's not a paedophile. But she'd have those, she'd think, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm walking down the street. Why am I having these strange thoughts? So that, that thought, that sort of thing, not necessarily paedophilia, but that thought of, um, could I, and it's like that, could I rape someone? No. And it's... if you tune into that one, you know, that you would class as abnormal thought, or and then you start questioning yourself, and then it's like the brain's tricking itself because it's thinking, I shouldn't be thinking like this, and then you start thinking like it. Yep. Yeah. So you focus <laughs> but on you're not you really focus... a murderer or a pedophile no. or a rapist, but yeah, no, you're right. And you're having these impure thoughts. I think that's a really um, important thing to bring up as well, especially towards mental health. Is people probably do have these thoughts, yeah. but they don't concentrate. They concentrate on them too much, and. Obviously, male suicide rate is really high. And imagine if you're a, a you know a, th- a 29 year old male, mm-hmm. uh, and you're not doing very well, and you've not got a girlfriend, and you've not got friends, blah, blah blah, and you have that thought, and you're already on the edge. It could be the difference between you taking your life or not taking yeah, your it life. Yeah, could tip you, couldn't it? Because <laughs> you're like, I would rather die than be a paedophile. It's like, but you're not one. You've never done anything. You never would do anything. But that doesn't matter to yourself at that because time. Because you just and, had this strange one yeah. thought. And I think it's important that people like that, huh, yeah. that was interesting, has saved me so many times yeah. on that. I've like, had what, a strange thought, that was interesting, move on. Yeah. And it what am I going to have for tea tonight? <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever gets you through. But that, huh, that was interesting. Yeah. It doesn't even have to move you to another thought. I think it's a, I think it it's a, I think it's a good little strategy. So I these really are do. my... Because I, I have do. to do it. It might not work for everyone, but I think anyone that's listening that's thinking, God, yeah... I could associate with that, but I've never, I've never felt brave enough to say that I've had these weird thoughts. Well, yeah. And if you used to go to somebody, a psychologist or a psychotherapist or counsellor, I'm sure they would say we've had lots of people that have had these kind of strange thoughts. Yes. Yeah. As long as you don't act on it and you're not, you know, cold calculating any strange plan, you're okay. But even it's then, just like... a form of a mental health, cognitive OCD. Um, issue that that can be easily sorted i always find of overthinking yeah oh it's overthinking anxiety is 
part and parcel of depression is awful. Well, I was going to I'm ask, not, I'm actually, not actually, if you have any other mm, mental health issues. I am not diagnosed than... with anxiety. I think I have some that comes with my depression tendencies, but I'm not. I'm not anxious in the way that I couldn't be like some people's anxiety. I, I feel for them completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mine can be, and mine comes on from those thoughts, which is what I've dealt with. So my anxiety, I'm not, again, I've been diagnosed with depression. It's on my life insurance, but I'm not diagnosed with anxiety. And I think I'm just get anxious sometimes. It's the difference between being anxious and having anxiety, I think. Like yeah. being depressed and having depression is a different thing yeah. depending on yeah. what's the state. And so, no, I don't actually have... I think OCD is something I've thought about. Tourette's is something maybe, but OCD is something I've, I've put to my doctor and they've gone, no. But I think doctors are really scared to kind of... Because if they say that and they have to put me on medication for it, for example, I'm on that forever. And if I haven't got it, it's a waste. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, uh, you know... Uh... My mum um, suffers with depression and extreme OCD. Mm. Yeah, and it has. It's, 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 it's prevented her from working and doing lots of... And it defines her, in her head at least. Yeah, but she's a great, she's a great woman and she's one of the funniest people I know. Um, and people actually love to be around her. So... That whole word about defining, um, and it's taken her a long time, and other people that I know, to not let, I mean, this was a question that's way down on my list, but <laughs> labelling yeah. people, you know, are so wrapped up in the whole, I don't want to be labelled with having depression, I don't want that on my records, or I don't want extreme OCD, or whatever mental health issue, but it really doesn't matter, because it doesn't define you. No. It doesn't change who you are. It's just a condition that you will get help with and deal with. Yeah. I mean, it does. It affects your life insurance policies, but <laughs> if that's what you're worried about most, then maybe there's other things you need to exactly, worry about. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I was like that. I'm not letting a doctor tell me what I do and don't have. Mm. I didn't go to the doctors for... I actually hadn't been to the doctors since I was 20. I went 21, I was 29, just haven't been. What eventually made you go and think, okay, enough's enough now? When I realised that I was being treated like... Because, okay, I'm going to go back so to back this. So back to the girl. I'm going to go back to this. And it's not a woman that made me sad. Um, it's not that. Mm. Basically, we slept together behind her boyfriend's ban. It happens. No but I was perfect. Well, I've never cheated. I've been the person someone's cheated on with. Yes. But I've never been cheated on. Mm. And it's because I don't usually get involved with single people. And the reason why it's, it's a challenge, it's difficult, but it also, it's a very abusive behavior that I can always go, well, it was never going to work. You were you, you, you'd, you know, why would she, she was going to figure out eventually that you were worthless and all that stuff. And it's been a thing where um, that, that has gone on four about four times I've done that exact sort of not in the exact same scenario sometimes they leave their partner sometimes they don't it's the way it is um mm. I don't choose who I like I just go after what I want and unfortunately you see me salesperson I get what I want if I want it without going illegal obviously and I get what I want and I was watching this behavior happen but she was i worked with her and that was the mistake and that's actually my opinion it might be a mistake but also the best thing I ever did because it made me go i have to stare at this person all day mm. they literally where we're sat like now that angle just mm. the other side all day yeah and close proximity i couldn't get over it deal with it move away ignore it i had to deal with it yeah and i did and that was me when i went you need help that was it i went you need help this isn't normal mm. 
I mean, what doing is the not? same behavioural patterns of of that, and with with obviously feeling depressed and self-loathing and having the ticks. Yes, it was the right move. Yeah. And since a year on, how do you feel now? Different person from that person. Um, I was slippery. I mean, I still like to spend time on my own. I don't go out. I mean, I don't go out as anywhere near as much as I used to when I was younger. But that's, I think it's because I'm just thirty and I like my own company. But um, I do. I like more of my own company. <laughs> Literally, I'm the sort of person. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a lot better now. And last year, to clear my head when I was going through all this stuff, mm-hmm. I went from one job to another, which is what led me to here. But that job in recruitment wasn't for me. wasn't the company just didn't work but there was a week off I had mm. and uh, there was two events that happened in that week off I went and travelled up the north of England for three days on my own didn't plan book anything just got in the car and drove Brilliant. and I stopped in a tent that didn't fit me in <laughs> uh, the Peak District and then I slept in a and b in Whitby and got chips beautiful I've heard about <laughs> the chips in Whitby uh, the best fish and chips in yeah, the UK and yeah. they are they are the best fish and chips in the UK and then I went there to Durham and I was up on board now Drove to Sheffield, saw my brothers, went home. And then the second event, so that was great because I can just do that. And not a lot of people can spend enough time on their own, especially with the stuff that was going on with me at the time. Mm. It was a very big step to, I mean, I used to do all the time like that stuff, but it was a big step. Yeah. My dad thought I was never coming home. That's how bad it was. He right. thought he's not, he's gone to, to kill himself. He's gone up there to just end it. Really? And I came back and he was thankful. Very relieved. But he was he didn't tell me that until like months after obviously but he had the thought that he thought I was just documenting my time up there and then it would just stop and that was kind of hard to take and that I would put that on somebody that I care about even though it is a person that probably caused it but I think maybe he thought it because he was guilty I hadn't even thought about it not at all Good. <laughs> the second event and this one kind of gave me a new thought on life I guess feeling towards life was um I was driving to my mum's and uh I was going a different way because the traffic and I was going past Kidderminster which not not quite the way I was used to missed the turn I was on new medication so I was a little bit a little bit blurry Mm. um sober like but my brain was just not quite there it was a bit foggy Mm. uh went to turn left missed my turn car carried on at 50 mile an hour because I didn't do it probably tried to correct it went straight into a wall um, I've got pictures and I was like an inch away from hitting a pole that would have gone straight oh, through me yeah. straight through me didn't didn't phase me because I was not high as a kite but yeah you wasn't I was, high, I was in your normal state of mind I was on, the medication I just moved on to the 100 yeah. milligrams of sertraline yeah. I just moved on to this new medication from being on sertraline so I was coming down off one and going up on another mm-hmm. and my body was all out of whack. yeah it had, you hadn't adjusted you hadn't settled and uh, no, no one got hurt no one was near me no one got hurt people helped me you know, that, that was when I realised like people just turning up driving past who were busy having their like people in suit coming over and trying to help me get my car out mm-hmm. one guy Peter, I'll never forget him. He, you know, lived Peter. Yeah. He lived down the road from it. He, uh, one sec, I'm just gonna get me Land Rover because he owned a lot of land. This man, very rich, very nice, but very rich. Came back up with his same car. I said Land Rover's not turning on, so he put a belt around it, pulled my car out, and there's this lovely, um, not that his colour matters, but a black guy because you know some people have that stereotype that he was in a big black car and he might be mm. aggressive. Came out and he, he leant on the car to get the tire down, and then the guy pulled it out. I was just like, this is amazing. And so many people came to my yeah, aid. Yeah, and that makes you think, wow, this world is a good place so for good people. Yeah, I went from, I could have been dead and not cared, to being, wow, actually, you know what? People are like me. There are people out there that will just help. 
for no reason. There's no, I mean, it, may, it might make them feel good. There's no such thing as a selfless act, but they still have to do it. They could have, drove, some people drove past. They were like, yeah. You know, the person, one person went all the way around the ring of a kid and said, come back and help me. Oh, and that was enough for me yeah. to say, you get one shot, be kind and be nice to people. Mm. Think of yourself. I have my negative days. Of course I do. We all do. But I feel better for having such a, two events that were completely polarised have defined me in a better way, not labelled like in a bad Sometimes way. Sometimes you just don't see, do you, until things like that happen. It's kind of like a... And I like to think of it as a, a debt. So, obviously, I'm fine. I came out of it without even whiplash. Like, not... Look, and, I have a new a, and again, that's another thing, like, how could I have come out? And I think like, it comes to the fact that I relaxed as I hit it. I didn't tense, I just yeah, kind of... Yeah. And at the time, I was like, I'm going to crash, and I just let it happen, because yeah. I was ready for that to happen. I know it sounds terrible, but I was like, I'm not, I don't want to die, but I was, if I do, eh. Here but it comes. I can't do anything about this. <laughs> I mean, I was slamming the brakes on, <clears throat> and to be fair, the car came out with more damage, I came out with zero. But, um... Lucky. Yeah, at 50 mile an hour, I'd say pretty Very lucky. lucky. Gotta love Audis. But um, yes. <laughs> basically, I witnessed a kindness, nothing to do with me dying or anything like that, but I witnessed a kindness of people that I can't ever repay them. Just only small things. Like, to be honest with you, most of them couldn't, it didn't help what they did. It wasn't the point. The fact that they stopped, tried to help, tried everything they could. Mm. They got me out of the car, another guy got in the car to try and get the car out for me after I smashed it. Like, yeah. <laughs> this guy went back into a damaged car. <laughs> you don't do that, you're not yeah. supposed to do that. No. And I can never owe, I mean, Pete is done, Pete, uh, you know, I, I- Is Pete the guy with the Land Rover? Yeah, yeah. he, he I, I don't speak to him anymore, cause you know, it's been a year, but he, he texts me a month after, you're right, is everything good? Oh. And I messaged him three months after saying, car sorted, everything, thank you so much for your help. He was like, anytime, anytime. He was like a 70 year old bloke. He's, they let me go to his house, I got to play with his dog, which was the best bit. And then the <laughs> shock hit in. But they gave me a cup of tea and I was like, I don't have sugar. And they went, you need sugar. Because yeah. I didn't know this at the time, but sugar's good for shock. It is. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden I'm drinking the tea and I'm, you know, fine. And then, and then it hits me. Thing. Yeah. And she was like, there it is. And I was like, oh, no, no. and they let me keep my car at their, their, la like their land mm. so I could go home, sleep off, come back, get the tire off, get the new tire, do all that, get it home. But they let me leave it there. Mm. And like that kindness, I can't replay, repay. Mm. No matter how much I tried, like, there's nothing I can do for them, even if I was in my life. I couldn't. So those two events really sort of opened so your having, sort of change. So having it. those events of a debt I can't repay makes me want to repay it more mm -hmm. so i give out more good and more help i help anyone um so that girl the one recently yeah say recently the most recent when we weren't in a good place we weren't talking very much and what have you and she was stranded in in wales well, she needed she couldn't get back from wales and got enough money to get from wales so i drove to wales and picked her up even though as i said before i'm furious at this woman mm. It was one of those, okay, love you, hate you, sort of thing. Yeah. Went and picked her up, brought her home, took her home. We had a bit of an argument in the car, but she was still grateful that yes. I picked her up. And it was one of those moments where I was like, it doesn't matter how much I hate someone or don't, I don't hate anyone, don't like someone. If they need help, I'll still help them, yeah. regardless of whom they might be. And that's important. And I think that's my lesson, I would say, is find that thing that makes you help other people. Find that thing 
I love can, that. You I can't, love that. You can't make your life any better if you don't try and make the world any better. It's um, so true. That's... We're all in it together. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> doesn't matter what divides, doesn't matter what religion's doing, wars, all this, what's going on in the world, we're all in it together. So, here's a question, which I normally ask at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But I asked you how you really was, because I really wanted to know. And as we've just been talking about acts of kindness and um, seeing past the end of your own nose and what goes on and helping and being kind... What three things are you most grateful for in life? And not so much the close things. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, my brothers or... No, I would never say that. I, I, I say that just because it's the obvious. We all would say our family. I think most majority of people I think would. the three things people would say is family, health and money or whatever. But yeah. um, things I'm grateful for, it's a really good question. I'm going to go quite really kind of, not very humble when I say this. I am grateful for the fact that I am a good, honest helpful person that's just me no <laughs> that was me brilliant. that was me 20 years ago that's me 20 years from now no that's, that's good who I am. I like I'm grateful that I get to be a person that you can mess around with me and make me feel terrible fine I'll get over it I get to go home at night and put my head on the pillow and say yeah but I did something good yeah but I and if someone. everybody thought like that it would be a peaceful yeah. world I'm grateful that I and I will thank my parents for that because no matter what I went through they instilled in me manners and they instilled in me being good just not even like a good person, like a good social person, like a good person yeah. in society. Just saying thank you to people. Like um, one of the colleagues here who always makes us tea in the morning, I won't mention her name, but she, she, she walks over and everybody thanks. And I go, thank you. I, I make sure a point that she I knows. I am exactly the same. She knows that I actually mean it. Because it is. When, if she doesn't bring that tea, I make it myself. She's a saint. But if she doesn't bring that tea over... I'll, I will notice. It's not something I forget. I always notice the good. And that is, that's the sort of thing. I can never repay that kindness to her because it's such a small act of kindness over a long period of time. Yeah. I can never repay it. So I need to repay it in different ways and to her. And sometimes it's not what you do, it's how you do it. And the way that... I know we were already talking about her making tea, but it's not just that. No. She's, she's, a, she's a good I think, human being. I think that is more of a this shows you the sort of person she is not completely she's not, the, she's not the sort of person of what she does that matters it's the way that she makes you feel doing it yeah and it's the same thing with in a way like when you if someone gets offended by something it's not what you meant it's not what you said it's how you made someone feel yeah and if you walk away from a conversation feeling like you feel like if you genuinely go i think i made their day worse or i didn't make you know if you don't make the day better you can't always how that it's not gonna but make you feel better than it is it either i get to feel good when other people feel good yeah. that's me i'm always gonna be and my therapist did say that's not always a healthy trait to have and i appreciate you've got to take some time for yourself but i really really think if you put out into the world and i don't believe in fate and religion or anything like that but if you put some good out into the world something picks up on it it comes back and it I come, believe that anyway. And it, it doesn't even come back in the way you expect. It doesn't come back in spades. It's not tenfold. It's not twofold. Sometimes it's half. But sometimes it's 10% of what you put out there comes back to you. But even then you go, I'm grateful for that. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So kindness is my second thing there. Okay. Kindness. Um, I'm grateful for some people that can just be genuinely kind. And that's... 
it's hard to see sometimes and I didn't see it for a very long time. Mm. I never upset anyone, but I used to make jokes at people's expenses. Now I make them at my own expense. Okay, fair enough, I shouldn't. But yeah, you do it too much. It's good I to am. be kind to others and make others feel good, but it is about yourself. Like the I love you, Joey, at night time. What's your third? Have you got one? Have you so anything? I'm grateful for the fact that, again, this is just, I'm being completely selfish on these, which is not me normally, but I'm going to be so selfish. I'm grateful that I have a creative brain. Yeah, no, I think that's good, and I don't think they've all been selfish at all. But it has its negatives, with obviously the ne like the dark stuff that I can talk about, but it gives me, gives me pause, gives me humbleness through that. I can sit there and I can go, well, I want to write a bit of my book tonight. Oh, actually, I'm going to record my podcast tonight. Oh, actually, I'm going to play a little bit of guitar tonight. Oh, I'm going to write something. Oh, I'm going to do something. I can always, I always have something I can strive for. And I, my, I have friend, a friend that isn't creative in the slightest. And I see he doesn't struggle. He's fine. But he has moments where he's like, I wish I could articulate what I want you to. And you've, we'll talk, we can obviously going to talk about it in a sec, but obviously me writing my book. Um, yes. The way that I write, I want. I write the way that I would speak. I write the way that I f want people to. I don't write in a language that's foreign to me, if that makes sense. I, I write how I would articulate. Well, I've read the first two chapters of Joey's new book that he's writing, and I was gripped. And I and liked the yet. style, <laughs> but it's that's just the point. You're talking about something that's going to happen, but you haven't revealed exactly what the plan is. That's going to. Um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. That's, well, chapter three is going to be a nightmare. I'll tell you that. Oh, but, it is. but it's like, how are you going to create this, and what idea have you got to save this? And I'm like, it's brilliant. So it makes you want to read more. And again, that comes from having a very, very good imagination, but also being very creative. So, and when you look back and you think of the negatives of life, this is kind of linking into my third kind of point, my creativity. Mm. It's a massive curse in some ways because the depression, and you, you see things that aren't there, you believe things that can't be real, and you balloon this idea and you get lost in your head mm. because you can think of the creative things that are disgusting, disturbing and horrible, like we talked about earlier. Channel it in <laughs> writing a book. <laughs> but by having, ways. by having that I can yeah I can balance it by channeling it in a better light mm. so I'm very grateful for the fact that I've had depression I know it sounds, sounds so weird I'm really grateful that I've had a struggle like that that's made me feel you're not feel... the first person that said that on this podcast I've, I won't be the you last really, you really are and, it, and it's true um, I think sometimes you have to go through the dark to see the light I mean uh, if I didn't know about it, going, you know, if I didn't have depression, I didn't know that I wasn't going to write a book, fine, I guess. But the fact that I can be excited for things now, which I haven't been for years, like, oh, It's always a positive. Like, we're always planning when we're going to record our next podcast. Obviously, I've got... We're going to talk, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about that. It's, not, it's, nowhere, near, it's nowhere near as important as yours, I'll be honest with you. This is no, really kind of raw. No, everyone. You know, this... this podcast is going to be to a certain audience and I hope that it helps people and your podcast is going to be the same and it doesn't matter what it's about we might as well talk about your podcast now we're on the subject go on then tell me about your podcast <laughs> oh it's my friend wanted to start a podcast years ago and um, he was always umming and ahhing and then one day he was like we should just really get started on it so I, um, I went okay and I bought a mic and he was like oh okay we have to do it now and I was like yep I've bought a 50 quid mic we've got to do this yeah and uh he called me in a good day and uh <laughs> i had no money but i was like yeah sure and uh it's oh, basically we talk about geeky nerdy stuff like that but what what it really is is like 
it's like going really deep into things like it's hard to explain like so you've got the dc marvel universe and you've got the, does everything have to be a universe nowadays or can things be one-offs like they used to be mm. are spin-offs good or a bad thing name a time when a video game has been well made into a film yeah spoiler it's very rare <laughs> but we discussed that stuff okay it's called the all things irrelevant podcast podcast i like it because everything we talk about is completely irrelevant it's escapism it's our way of talking about our creative size he's writing a book in, in the warhammer universe i couldn't do that he's got to build characters like 50 60 70 characters of main story wow. I'm, I'm working on two or three at a time i, I can invest because my character's called alex alex gartner spelt the German way because Gardner is the person, uh, you know, in, in biblical terms, a gardener, Eden, someone who makes things grow, someone that builds new. The, f the book is going to be called Building Earth, which I'm not going to go into, but um, I'm not going to go too much This is into. the book, by the way, I've read the yeah. first two chapters of, yeah. and it is really good. And the so, fact that that surname means that, I didn't know yeah. that. Well, that Gardner is Gardner, and the Gardner is because he's someone who wants something to grow, yeah. and he wants to build Earth. Yeah, wants to save it. Yeah. So that's my idea on that. But I get that. I get to build that story. I get to put as much as I want of me into Alex. Mm. That's my style. And that's your escapism. And again, <laughs> yeah. that's another channeling um, strategy, isn't it? Of... I mean, Alex is becoming... I think it's really interesting because obviously coming from a depression, my slight anxiety tendencies, that sort of thing. Um, Alex is going to... He's already by... I've done five chapters but i've skipped one because i need to go back mm. but he's already starting to take on some of my mannerisms and he's already starting to talk like i do and think like i do so i think he's going to have i'm not going to mention it in the books that's stupid but he's going to have definitely some underlying sort of depression anxiety but it's going to just come out naturally he's not going to have to ever think about it, say it it'll just be this is the yeah. side of him this is him yeah and you get to decide what he is you know if you can label him you cannot label him whatever but it's really it's weird to read back what i've done on that and anyway we've and that's what going back to the podcast that's the sort of thing we talk about so we talk about like fire in space doesn't make sense we talk about um star wars it's actually pretty terrible. It's a kid's film. But you know what? I love Star Wars and so many people love Star Wars. And I love Star Wars for the fact that it's kid's films. So just going back, because I wanted to talk about medication. Mm -hmm. um, because it's a big topic that's talked about and debated. And we touched earlier about the fact that you didn't want to get help instantly because one you didn't want to get labeled and two you didn't want to have medication mm -hmm. and i imagine for a lot of people are in this situation feel exactly the same not everybody but a lot of people yeah um, you know especially in 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 males and females but with the whole you know male suicide rate being higher than women's you know this could be a factor how do you feel now you are on the medication and do you ever, would you ever sort of like to come off them? Where can you see so yourself with that? My answer is a little bit, it's twofoldy, I guess. Being on medication may be working, it may not, but I think it is. And placebo effect is way better than, I'd rather think something works that's chalk powder than, mm -hmm. than think, not think my medication works, it will fail. 
the human body is weird like that. If it thinks something's going to help it, it will make it help it. Yeah. So I like the fact that I can definitely tell when I'm off them, but I, uh, when I went on them, I felt terrible because you go through that first initial stage and I hated it, I'll be honest, and I was going to quit, but I didn't. And I went through the, the first four weeks of horrible skin, numbness, fog brain, couldn't breathe, couldn't see, like went and then they had to go through that again with the next medication, then again when they put it up, and I thought I couldn't see the end of the tunnel, so I hated it. Now, probably nine months on from when we, they sorted out my medication yeah. properly, ish, um, I don't know if it's still proper, um, I take it as if it's, you know, I get up in the morning, take out the packet, walk to the bathroom, boom, done, it's gone. I don't even think about it, it's part of my routine now. And when I don't take it, if I remember I'm not taking it, I feel awful. Mm. Which I guess you could see as a dependency, even if it's psychological, which it is. <laughs> I, I'm really happy that I'm doing it because it just shows a point in my life where I took a step yeah. and accepted, okay, if this is a weakness, I'm weak. But it's not a weakness. No, it isn't. But I had to at least admit that if it is, then I need to accept that, okay, I'm in a weak point. Accept it. We're human. And then I realised I wasn't in a weak point because the second I started taking medication, started talking, because I'm very open and very vocal about it. Yeah. Not like shouting down the road or anything, but <laughs> no. if someone asks or whatever, I will talk to my friends about it. A friend of mine's been through some really hard times with his, his mum passing and stuff. And we've talked about it. We wouldn't, he was my old boss. We would never talk about it if I hadn't have said, I'm on medication, I'm getting help. Yeah. All of a sudden people are asking me questions, talking to me, tell me their things. I'm like, yeah, you might don't tell, don't come to me for help, but it's I'm glad you're telling me, you're telling your story. Yes, and at it, least they're speaking. It's but it's normalizing it for me and it's normalizing it for them. Mm. And that's why I'll listen. So I think the medication is good. I think being on the medication has helped because I don't care what anyone says, be happy lol doesn't work. <laughs> Changing the way you think it doesn't work, it works temporarily. It's mm -hmm. fake. I have obviously it's I do not produce enough serotonin. There is no way my body is going to just happen to do that. So I take the serotonin replacement, which allows me to function as a human being. It doesn't make me happy. It makes me function at a level that means I can still get up. Mm. I still have foggy brain from the depression, you know, from what have you. I still have moments where I don't want to get out of bed. But that's but this medication makes that less frequent, mm. and I couldn't imagine a life now without taking it. So you would mm. never, would you never want to come off them? Is the no, question. That's the thing. What's the point in coming off it if it still works? Mm. Okay, I'm paying nine pound every two months. God bless the NHS. To I'm paying nine pound every two months to keep my myself feeling like I'm a human. Just ticking along as a human. Yeah, I mean, if I get to a point where you know, you know, things start clicking into place more, and which let's be honest. It doesn't, so there's always something that goes wrong. There's always something you're going to That's worry life, about. That's life, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. If I get to a point where that, that doesn't bother me as much, or if I get to a point where, you know, that it is less of a factor, then yeah, maybe I'll look into weaving you'll off. Look, you'll look but at I it. Don't but at the moment, you're happy. It's working. You're I in a better have, place. I don't have situational depression. I have on, ongoing depression. So, mm. situation, so yeah. situational depression, like my mate who's mother died it, it's something that's triggered other stuff it, so but it's so there that's a medication as a short term yes until he starts so to, I think, to cope i think yeah. if, you're, if you can not if you can come off it i mean something like that situational then yeah i think you could you could argue the case that being on it long term is just going to you know it's going to not do anything for you or you might have an overdose of serotonin so you need to be careful of that as well yes whereas people 
in my position, with the long term, it's not something that's just going to go away. It might never go away. You might get better at coping without it. I, I don't see any problem with the medication. I think Good. there's a stigma behind medication. And, and that's why I asked the question, because I just think it's important that people don't feel... You know, yeah, like your friend, if you're going through a really hard time because something's happened out of your control, like, you you know, some somebody's passed or, you know, you've had an accident or something like that, it, you know, the, the medication's going to help. But I think if you have long-term depression and you've had it since a child, yeah, then, then yeah, there, there's no harm. It's better to feel like you're ticking along normally. Do you think, in your opinion... Do you think there are any alternative or natural therapies that can help? This is another sort of... Um, well, I mean, the word natural is a bit loaded, but the natural therapy or natural medicine is medicine. Um, if it's natural herbal, it's not been proven to work in mm. many states. But if you mean things like talking or exercise... Well, or, all of it, really. I think, yes, I think that point... I mean, like, taking... An aloe vera pill isn't going to do anything. If you think it's going to work, then it, it might work. Again, it's the placebo. <laughs> it might work. Yeah. But if you think it's going to work because it's going to work, it, it, it's one of those things. But, like, I, I mean, I don't get enough of it, but regular exercise apparently helps. But this is the point getting out of the bed to go and do it is the hard part. I think. It's always the hard part the thinking, the getting there, the going swimming, the going for the walk. But once you've done it, I know I feel better for it. <clears throat> I don't think there's a lot of. Holistic is probably a nice way of putting it. Um, holistic options out there that'll work. Mm. Aloe vera and lavender are not going to make me feel calmer. Like, it's not a case of feeling stress. It's a case of stress can bring on my depression. My depression's always there. But things like eating better, and I don't mean, oh, I feel healthier. I just feel better for knowing that I've put a vegetable inside my stomach. Yeah. So, like... Well, um, you are what you eat. That's what they say. Well, yeah. If you're going to live a life on McDonald's, you're not going to live long. And you are yeah, but it might be a good life. <laughs> For short life. Yeah, Big Macs, Big Macs. I might have a Burger King on the way home now. Yeah, sometimes though, <laughs> you just need that. It's, again, it's balance, isn't it? I think maybe medication mixed with some holistic um, therapy, whether it be a massage, whether it be eating healthy, whether it be going for a walk, I think... It's yeah, I good to have the balance of all if, of it. If people, if that works for people, I'm happy. I'd rather people be happy. I, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, that's hocus pocus, don't do it. I'd be like, you know what? It's not, as long as the thing they're doing isn't actually harmful, like an aloe vera tablet isn't going to hurt them, a massage isn't going to do them any harm. If it was drinking mercury, I'd probably say stop. Yeah. <laughs> but you and me. Do you get what I mean? Like, Completely. Like, if, you, if, if it helps them and it doesn't hurt them, and it's not costing them the earth and not being ripped off by a medical company, fine, mm. please. You know, half a paracetamol every two days. If it's that fine, yeah, it's not going to hurt you. But, um, but I think it, it's it's got to come down to: is it actually going to help? Is it going to hurt them? Is probably the best question. Not if it's going to actually help yeah, them. Yeah, but I think mindfulness and well-being. I do think you know. You said you said earlier. You know, you're starting to eat a little bit more mm. healthier. It's making you feel a little bit better about yourself. Mm. I think you know, putting small things like that in place does help yeah i think building blocks is you know it's all little things that are going to make a big difference mm. i'm sure i know you've had someone i who's been on the path who's actually had real problems with addiction yeah. um my addiction is i have a really addicting personality anything i can get addicted to i will so i have to watch out what i do so like drinking i'll have one beer or i might go for a blowout but then i refuse to touch the rest of it um cigarettes i mean that's one you know i mm. smoke um 
I don't do drugs because I would just fall into them. Um, gambling, I have, I have like restrictions on there because I want to gamble all my money. I, I get addicted to everything and it is that kind of... But looking... you're aware of it and you are controlling yeah. it. But it's it's the people that can't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another form of... It's mental illness. I think it's a form of... For me, the depression, I do it to get the serotonin hit. Like fast food. Fast food has been my thing that's made this what made me a big, like bigger than I am. Mine's been closed. <laughs> Sorry? Mine's been closed. <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> well, you know, I've been in dark places and thought, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to get cheaper retail, retail therapy. And but... then you think, oh, I've got a credit card bill. That's made me feel like shit. Past Joey, future Joey. There we go. So, but... you know, we, we've all got it. We've all, we're all guilty of it somewhere. Because it, does it really make you feel... Yeah, when you go out, it's nice to... I love clothes. Um, but it's nice to do something and go out and buy yourself an outfit if you've got a special occasion. But I was like, I was doing it in the wrong way. I was like, you're going out and just spending money because it made the money that gave it was so tiny. I felt bad. Yeah. 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 And that's where that depression, that anxiety, that comes into that addiction for me and and for a lot of people. (laughs) And even though after I've eaten, I'm like, oh my God, I feel awful. Why did I eat that? At the time, I'm but like, whilst you were singing oh, it, this, like, is, this, is, this is the best Big Mac. This is the, yeah, <laughs> this is the only thing that's ever mattered in the history of the world. And it's learning, that's the biggest one for me that's been a struggle. Uh, food, I have a massive problem with food. Um, but addiction is something that has come out of this. I don't know if it's something I've always had or something, but I do have that and I have to really monitor it. And people that get stuck in that, I feel for them. Yeah. Like anyone who's ever got addicted, like I don't look at people who are drug addicts or homeless because of drugs and think, oh God, they've wasted their life. I think they've been dealt a bad hand and they haven't had the support network. So moving on to something quite positive. I'm a big fan of writing lists. And that yeah. can consist of to-do lists, um, organising list, target list. And one that I have recently started um, composing are what makes me happy lists. So, which five to ten oh things my God. make <laughs> Joey happy? So, being able to, and it comes from discipline, play guitar. Like, I don't, play very, I don't play it very often anymore. But I can just pick it up and muse myself and it's just nothing matters because my brain, it's weird, my brain is so constant, like I'm not concentrating, to, I know what I'm playing, my brain is concentrating on what I'm playing, not how I'm playing, mm. that I kind of stop thinking about things and it's the time I truly feel, like I'll fall asleep with the guitar on me and it's because it's the time when my brain shuts off so my brain realises how tired it actually is yeah. and I'm gone. But then I put it down and then start again. But it's a time where it's like a like your, your waves on your feet. It's like a wave in my brain of me just kind of going yeah. back and forth. Music's definitely one of my things that makes me happy. Listening to it doesn't. I love listening to it. That is probably number two. Well, what not not in an order, but that is on there. And nowhere near as much as playing it. And it's not even that I'm very good. It's nothing to do with that. It's just the fact that I have to forget. My emotions fuel how I play but my emotions don't define how I feel at that point. And it's really, really interesting feeling. Uh, what else? Playing video games, but not like, it's escapism, yes. But I like playing really, really difficult games. It makes me feel a like- challenge. A challenge. When I say a challenge, I mean, 
games that are deliberately made so hard that you have to play them thousands of times to complete them. Like, I mean, I've, I've got a game called The Binding of Isaac. I've played over a thousand hours and it cost me like a tenner to buy. But I just play and I play. And it's not that, you know, it's, it's repetitive. It's just, it's just, I get to zone out, watch some to Netflix and play the game because I've played it that much. Um, enter the Gungeon, uh, Slay the Spy. They're all called roguelikes. They're all hard games that once you finish them, you have to start again to unlock other stuff to unlock stuff. It's one of those games like you don't stop playing until you've completed it, which I have completed the majority of them. I get that. I lose myself in films. Yeah, that's so, something that makes me happy. So you know, you're you just it's escapism. But for me, that it's like watching a film a thousand times over, yeah. but you never get bored of it, and it's always slightly different every time you watch that film. So that's where me and you are different because computer games and, and Emily don't mix. We played Tony Hawk's, which is like a skateboarding game. Yeah, I know. In my teens. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, that's great. I really enjoyed that. But yeah, it's it's not quite because it's a game. It's because um, I like to feel really like frustrated, it's a bit difficult, and then when I get it, it's just elation. It's great. Okay. Um, the other thing, so another thing I like. What about writing mm. your book? Uh, writing my book is great. I have to be in the right mood for it. Like okay. I have to really. I don't, I don't, it's really weird. I don't choose when I'm going to write my next chapter. I have a, a moment where I go, oh, that'll work. And I write the chapter. Yeah, it comes to you. So I was sat at work one day and I had an, a, a, an idea for the chapter five. Which Get I just it down. Read. So I, I, I sent myself a quick email, quick, you know, that's the quick cliff notes. It was like 10 seconds email on my lunch break. And then when I got home, I wrote it because it was there and that's how I work like oh that works oh that's good but that's how it is isn't it it's when you get a spontaneous thought that so, you know is a really good idea you have to get it down straight away so write my book is four the podcast I really love because yeah. it's just talking rubbish with my friend that I've known since I was a like, teenager my, my, <laughs> one of mine's the podcast it's this just, makes me happy it's great I mean it's nice to talk and it like is. I forgot I mean I can see the microphones in front of us but I forgot they're there we're just chatting yeah you do don't you it's you just, just get on with it's it. like you come into another world and when I'm talking to people and I just feel really blessed that people are able to open up and chat and offload think, that and I hope think, that it helps other people. I think mo most people want to, they just don't have a channel to do it. Mm. And when I'm talking to someone that wants to listen, even if the listener doesn't want, like if people don't want to listen, they won't listen to you like your podcast. So the people that will listen are the people, are the people that, that want to listen and that will matter definitely to you. definitely uh, quality over quantity, isn't it? What else? What else makes you happy? Batman. <laughs> it's got a Batman T-shirt. Yeah, on. <laughs> I'm wearing a Batman T-shirt. I wear what I've only, I literally only own Batman T-shirts. Um, I've never bought any of them, but I own only Batman T-shirts. Um, Batman doesn't make me happy. Batman. I was joking. No, but like. I was it, just looking at the Batman T-shirt. It makes me. It makes me smile, but yes. it doesn't make me happy. <laughs> Mainly because me and my friend Nick, the guy I do the podcast with, talk about Batman a lot. Okay. <laughs> a lot. Okay. Um, what else makes you happy? Anything else? Being a total nerd. <laughs> like, I know it sounds really ridiculous. So I used to have a real problem with that. I was the edgy kid, long black hair, eyeliner, nail varnish, groom, a goth. Very gothy. Yeah, and I don't get me wrong, I, I looked great. Yeah, I'll bet. I was very attractive. Now I'm not so much, but back then, chef's kiss. And, um, and that was my personality. And then you realize that's hollow. And that's not who you are. You're just, that's your extension to make people think you're interesting. And you see a lot of people do that. And you can mm. see that they that means they're struggling. Mm. You'll see someone dyes their hair blonde one day, then blue the next day, puts in massive earring. That can be a fashion statement. But then when you speak to them and there's nothing going on, 
you know that they're just trying to find their identity. A mask. And what makes me happy is that I found my identity, that I found who I am, and I am a massive nerd. And I will talk about the implications of hyperdrive space travel on in this particular universe. If this thing is to be believed, why can this work? Because this shouldn't work, because this moves the universe around it, not the other way. You get what I mean? It goes Completely. deep and it goes really deep. And like people just go, shut up. But there's some people out there, like Nick, who go, yeah, actually, <laughs> you're right. And my theory is this. <laughs> yeah, and that to me, like Dungeons and Dragons, like I love playing Dungeons. That's my next one. Dungeons That's and Dragons. Like that makes you happy. Dungeons and Dragons is one of my favourite. I don't play it as much as I'd like. I don't play it at all now because it's just hard to get the time. But Dungeons and Dragons, you sit there, you roll some dice, your friends have character sheets. And I'm the dungeon master, and I write a story for it, and they have to interact with my story. Yeah. And it's exciting, and people go, nerd. And I'm like, and? <laughs> like, used to be like, don't tell anyone that I'm, don't tell anyone. And that, now it's just oh, like... Oh, you know what? If we're all the same, I know it's like old hat, the same, but it would be so boring. I'm not a nerd, because um, I'm not that... Clever-minded to play computer games. It's so. not an intelligence thing. Um... Is there anything else just to round it off? No, I think that's. Um, those are those are the things. Those are my at the Joey moment. Joey happy. Yeah. Yeah, and you know you should start writing happy lists. It's a good or idea. Or songs that make you feel happy. Yeah. Or places that make you feel happy. <laughs> well, at the moment. People it, and things like that. At the moment, it is "Slide Away" by Oasis. Yes, that is. Wow, it's a classic, and I, as you know, I'm one of the really? biggest fans of Liam Gallagher. <laughs> I would never have told. What I would do to get him on my podcast, yeah. I watched his, um, talking of battles and struggles, I watched his um, film, he's just, he's his documentary, As It Was. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, again, it, the whole bravado of Liam Gallagher and his arrogance and how he's been, but he's just a big softy, really. Yeah, he's got, like, two kids that he loves and all that stuff. Yeah, well, he's got three kids that he loves. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got two sons and a daughter. But, it, yeah, he is. He's a big softy. He's bought two kittens from the local sort of cat sanctuary, I think. One's called Sid and the other's called Nancy. And oh, his, my. His girlfriend, really? who he's really happy with, who's actually, like, I think played a big part in his life. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, good for him. But the documentary just goes to show, you know, he really didn't think he could make a comeback. Yeah. And he did. And what a comeback he's made. Number yeah. one, wasn't he, recently? Pardon? Number one as well, recently. Yeah. I love Liam Gallagher. I could talk about him forever. But anyway, let's end it there. Because people might not want to hear about Liam. Um, <laughs> so, um, here's another question about around insecurities and how we beat ourselves up. And I know we've touched on it slightly with the whole self-loathing and um, having those battles in your own head, and we've talked about kindness, we wouldn't treat others the way that we treat ourselves. Yeah. Because we're so hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I know this is a bit of a question because I know the answer to it, but are you guilty of this? Yes, 100%. Because I know it's something that I've worked on. Because you do, you beat yourself up, you think, oh God, they hate me, or oh, I'm a massive twat. Mm. Um, I mean, why did I why, say that? Why we hold ourselves to a standard we would never hold another human being to, and I don't get why. Because 
I would never expect someone... I, I expect someone to have a level of decorum and niceness to me, obviously. Yeah. And I believe respect is earned, not just given. But everyone, I think, starts with... Some people out there think you start with 5% and you can earn my respect. And some yeah. people think you should start with 100% and you can only lose it. I'm one of those. I think everyone deserves, until they start showing me reasons why I shouldn't respect their opinion, policy, person, whatever, mm. until I see them. I mean, you could argue with me and say that as long as you're coherent with the argument, anything at all, and I still respect you for it, because at least you, if you believe it, mm. that's fine. And I think um, because of that, I have this weird kind of dichotomy, as they call it, like, uh, everything's great everything's rubbish there's nothing in the middle mm. and that is black and white yeah everything's black and white okay. and it's called dichotomous reasoning I believe wow and, <laughs> there you go but um, I think it's called that and uh, could be completely wrong and basically um, I think that because of that we get people off the hook more mm. but we have to live with our own decisions like you don't have to if you upset me today, I don't have to live with that. I can just walk away. Mm. It's not going to, you know, eventually it's not going to bother me. But to yeah. you, you'll be like, what did I do? You have to go home and you can't escape yourself. Mm. And I think that's why people do it to a degree. But at the same time, it's awful. I don't know. And it's something you see yourself doing, don't you? You see it happening. You're doing it right now and you can't stop it. It's like a train coming towards you. There's nothing you can do. It's not true. And it took me a long time to learn this. You can just step off the track. You can. You can just take one foot at a time. You can just say no. You've got, if you can see it coming, the, more, the better you get at it, at catching yourself. I call it catching. Or my, me and my therapist used to call it catching myself. If you catch yourself, the quicker you catch yourself, the longer you have to get off that track. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. If you think of it as a train. So when you start the self-loathing or... Because I think you find it hard to take a compliment. Mm. Like, I, like, we've I got a bit of a standing joke. I'll say, I don't, you're intelligent, you'll go, no, I'm not. Really I, sure. um, no, I'm not. I don't hard. have a problem taking it in, uh, take, um, accepting a compliment. I refuse to accept a compliment. Um, that, is, that is one thing that I'm still working on mm. in my, my battle, my journey, as it were. I read something mm. where, um, I think it might have been Fern Cullen or it might have been Davina McCall, I'm not 100% sure. But when someone does pay you a compliment and you find it hard to take, just say thank you. Yeah. You know, like someone will say, oh, oh, that, that colour lipstick looks really nice on you. Not on you, Joey, but on, on, My on me or whatever. My terrible to Oh, this, this was cheap. Oh, I got this from like, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And yeah. Rather than going off and sort of, you know, trying to justify it, just say thank you. Yeah, that is a really good... So I've tried that, and that one I, I, str I struggle with really badly. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because we I, wouldn't let other... We wouldn't be like that on I, other yeah, people, it, so we shouldn't be like it on if ourselves. If I said to you, you say to me, I'm intelligent, and I'm no, I'm not, then I say it to you, you'd be like, well, what's the difference? You know, exactly. Yeah. Where do you see yourself, or where would you like to be in the next sort of five to ten years? Do you think you'd ever like to sort of sit here and say... I don't suffer with depression anymore. Or actually, do you not give a shit about that? Um, I don't really care anymore. I used to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like if you had asked me five years ago, where do you want to see some five? I'm there going, depression is nothing. I got over it. I'm hard. I've done this. I'm a big macho. Now I'm just like, it, it makes no difference no. to me. 
you know, okay, it's, it's it, I'm paying nine pound every two months to feel like a human being. That's still amazingly better than I was spending no money on. <laughs> and I'm it saving is. money because I'm not buying as much takeaway. It's almost like you can put that that sort of battle on a boat and just watch it sail away. Yeah. It's like acceptance. I accept that I suffer with depression. If you accept it and don't care that you're going to have it in 10 years, I think you probably find you're less likely to have it. I'm not saying I won't, but I think because when it's at the front of your mind, it's going nowhere. If you can push it step by step, just a little bit at a time, to the back of your brain, eventually you're like, metaphorically obviously, your brain, you'll just literally one day, it just, it'll, it'll be there, but your brain won't, you won't even notice it. It'll be like, a bit of dust on the skirting board, exactly. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you know it's there. Who cares? Yeah, like, who bet... cares? Who cares? And that's so what I've got to like, do with my... Um, is there a, a dream role uh, in, um, in a company that you'd like to do? Or would you be, like to become an author? Or what, what are your sort of dreams? I've never had... Um, I wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid. I wanted to be famous uh, you know I, I've come to terms with the fact that I'd rather not be famous mm. um, yeah I've got the money but not the fame yeah <laughs> like it looks like like everyone wants to be that rock star but actually when you look at what fame can do it's not yeah. always that great is it I would like I'd like to earn enough money to be comfortable that's all I care about I'd like to my, if you must know my life goals I would like to meet someone that cares for me as much as I'd care for them. Mm. Um, somebody that, although I particularly don't want to have children, at least at the moment, if I met someone that wouldn't want children and I fall in love with them, maybe I'll have children with them, mm. but I'm not pressurising myself. Because this is 10 years I'm talking, not five. Yeah. Um, but like, I want to be- I said that. <laughs> yeah, then look, but, um, congratulations on having a child. <laughs> Best thing that happened to me. Pearl is a delight. Yeah, she's precious. But, uh, yeah, like, I don't, I don't need the nice house, I don't need the nice car. I the material to... thing, yeah, because you think the material things make you happy when in fact they don't. And that was my question, that's kind of where I was going with it a little bit. Just to sort of, I was just interested to sort of see well, what you say, really. I think since going through dark times and not having, like, I, I, since I've been an adult, I've paid my way, I don't ask for anything, I don't borrow money from mm. my family. I'd rather put myself in debt than ask anyone for anything. And that was negative. That was a bad thing. Mm. Um, which has put me in a lot of trouble now. But nowadays, because of the trouble that I've put myself in, I'm sorting it out, you should see things differently. I'm like, people go, oh, don't you want to pay that off? What if you want to get a mortgage? I'm like, I'm going to die in my 80s or whatever. It'll uh, be fine. It's nihilistic. It'll work out. But like, even if I and don't, it does, you know. Even if I don't buy a house or even if I don't save enough, who cares? Like... You can't plan everything. No, you can't. And sometimes that's the beauty as well. It took it's me a while to get planning. there. It's the not planning. It's the just letting things just happen and fall into place because, you know, what is it on Forrest Gump? Life's a box of chocolates. You, you know never know what, what you're going to get. And it's so true. Well, it's so, so true. But if you'd have asked me when I was 29, this answer would have been different because I'm like, oh, I'm going to 30 next year. Oh, I haven't got, I've got not done anything. I've not got this. At the time, I wasn't even in work, was <laughs> I? You know what I mean? I was like... Yeah. I'm 40 next year, so, <laughs> so you, I still feel like I'm in my 20s some days, as you know. But once I took, yeah. Age is just a number, 40 is the new 20, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So I'm 10 then. Yeah, but, um, definitely. I, when I turned 30, it, I went, oh, I'm older, and that was it. Exactly. <laughs> I loved my 30s. Yeah, 
Well, it's because you're actually an adult. Let's be honest. You're not an adult until you're 30. True. I don't think I was then, to be fair. No. <laughs> no. Have no. fun. But yeah, it's, it's taken me a while to get to where I am now. But yeah, I, I think... And it's, you can tell people with... And I, I've been there. So, you know, this is not me preaching. This is me not yeah. preaching to the converted. You're just but... being honest. With your own feelings yeah just experiences. stop if I, if I could go back and you know tell me me now and listen i would say just stop worrying about it nothing but ma- you have to go through that journey to look back and think eh, okay. we call it well i've read i watched some things on it it's called cheerful nihilism mm. nothing matters so why not enjoy the time you've got like, I used to be the other way around. I used to be nothing matters. Like we're so insignificant in this world. Yeah, well, it's like we worry about the things that we haven't even got to yet, don't like, we? The sun's gonna burn out. Oh God! In three billion years, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And like, I, I find that is a, a huge thing. Is when you've got somebody when you, you're looking at things like that and thinking how like you'll see and Facebook is the place to find it. You'll see certain people will air their dirty laundry threaten people but not say their names and it's like and they're like I hate drama and then they post this stuff on Facebook their drama <laughs> and you're like those people they're bringing drama into their lives aren't they without realising they seem to think it's important because it's their life yeah. and they think that that tiny tiny thing that's happening in their lives is worth everyone's attention whereas you've got people starving in Africa you've got you've got people in America who can't afford insulin do you know what I mean you've got you, and you want to and it to goes back again to being in your own uh, mind and again you know when I walked into the children's hospital that day and opened the door doors to PICU I was like because you do you see Ronald McDonald at McDonald's yeah of course yeah and you you know you know it's a charity but you don't really know what well I didn't anyway I didn't really know what it was for yeah I know it was about children in hospitals but they don't really tell you it's about ACU or, or hospice yeah so or basically Ronald McDonald is a place like a hotel that, that is located by a children's hospital right that you can stay so people that have got sick children in in um in the hospital in the children's hospital right but they live say you know liverpool and their child's well, in birmingham. Birmingham, well, birmingham's the best yeah yeah then they put you up in the ronald mcdonald house oh yes yeah, so you pay when people donate they're paying for people to stay in the ronald that's really yeah. good yeah that's and again you don't think it, 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 i didn't think a world like that existed so it's you know what a brilliant charity sorry that what a brilliant idea it was and i stayed there and i was just yeah blown away amazing and it's all charity funded so every time you go past mcdonald's and you see the little box put put a pound in there because it is a fantastic charity and it's well i used to put money in them families. i didn't even know but exactly and i didn't so again it's that isn't it not being so narrow-minded and just in thinking, oh, this tiny little thing, like you say, has happened and I'm going to wear it on Facebook and cause loads of drama, you know. It, there's a bigger picture, isn't there? Yeah, we all live in the same. We share one planet. But we all go on a journey to learn it as well, don't we? So, um, obviously, with mental illnesses, um, it, it, it's not... You don't see it. It's invisible. Yeah. You know, if you break your leg or... You know, you've been in a car accident or, you know, you, you can see that. Um, do you think there will ever be an instant cure? And do you think enough is being done to investigate it? 
Prepare yourself. Uh, <laughs> I was waiting for this answer. No, she'll answer. Yeah. I don't believe there's an all-time fix. I believe in the adage of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's a very, very, very whole dear. And I'm not a left nut socialist kind of guy, but I really think, as I mentioned all the way through, external factors are what mm. really get to people. Mm. You've got to have the nice car. You've got to wear the right perfume. You've got to smile right. Those high heels are too small. You know what I mean? And I think that the only way to fix it is to start... It's an institutional issue. Mm. You think about how many people nowadays have depression and how many people, you know, who have had it over history but not mm. been diagnosed. And you hear some people say, I'll oh, just get on with it. When back in my days, like, oh, actually, back in your day, you could buy a house on one... You could have a house with you paying for your wife and kids and she didn't have to work, she stayed at home. You could afford that. Your job was dictated to you by... Your father, his father's father, his father's father. If you worked on the railroads, you worked, worked on the railroads. Yep. We entered into a world, starting with my generation, our generation, um, and potentially a little bit before, where we were told we can do anything we want. Mm. The world is our oyster. You can now go to university, not just the rich kids go to university. You can climb this ladder that doesn't exist. Um, and then when you get there and realise all that was a lie, you're left with a realisation that I'm alone, mm. I can't get where I wanted to go, that thing doesn't exist for me, what now? Mm. I can't buy a house, I don't earn enough money, even though I earn more than my parents earn. 10 it's years crazy, ago. isn't it? Like my dad bought a house for my mum. He was earning 30 odd grand a year, had four kids, had a 200 grand house now mm. in Wildmore Lane. Mm. Now, if I earn 30 grand a year, I can take out a mortgage for 100, but I need a 10, 20% mortgage mm. uh, deposit. It's not going to happen. And that's for me on my own. So you, your standards are different. So you, it's a society, really. Yeah, in a sh short term, in a short way. What you've got. It's a lot of institutionalised kind of deep-rooted issues that have been brought on by these changes in society, in people. And you're expecting people to just get on with it, mm. which doesn't happen because you, you don't have a path. When you, when, and I know it's, like, it's a simpler time, and I don't mean it that way because there was wars and stuff, but even then, you had a simpler... You go to war, you don't, you die, you live, you eat, you don't eat, mm -hmm. you work on the railroads, you die of starvation. Mm -hmm. You had no choice. Choice is the biggest illusion that humans have. By having so many options and so much choice, we've actually made ourselves have less options. Because mm -hmm. if you just went... If, if I went into the trade my dad's in, he's a builder, I could probably earn 40, 50 grand a year quite easily. I'd be doing a job I don't like and I'd be breaking my back. But if I'd have just done that, I'd done it since a kid, I'd have bought my house, done that, had the family, blah, 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 moved on. Can't do that because that's not me. Because I wanted to be this. My dad and my mum were like, you could be a doctor and you can be, I don't know, um, yeah, just a doctor was probably the best one. <laughs> but, um, like, astronaut? You, I was going to say astronaut, but astronaut? Could, even then they were like, be realistic. <laughs> You're short-sighted. Um, but... Um, yeah, you could be a doctor. So I spent my whole childhood thinking, I'm going to be a doctor. Mm. Got to that point, I was like, I'm thick compared to doctors. 
and I don't want to be a doctor. And then, then of course, you've got that adage of, I'm in my teens and I don't know what to do and all my friends know what to do and they don't, but they say they do. And you just end up with this horrible cycle of everyone's got it figured out because we have to, we still want to keep that stiff upper lip in front of people. The typical British stiff upper lip. But we don't have anything to back it up with. No. But we have to pretend we do so other people who I'll be there, I'll be providing, yeah, my life's pretty good. I'll go home and go, oh, nothing, I've got no life, nothing, I've got this, I've got that. And it's because we have to have this facade that for some reason everything's fine. I think if everyone just admitted actually everything's not fine, I think the government would be in trouble because then they'd realise that institutionalising, I keep saying that word, or, or sorry. I think the system- government are already in trouble. Well, um, <laughs> If you've got systemic racism and systemic class systems, you're going to have... And then tell them the class systems don't exist, but they still do. Like, there's no such thing as working class. Okay, then who's going to work in the farms? Oh, the, the working class. Yeah. But you said there isn't a working class. Oh, no, we lied. That's... that's. I see what you're saying. You can't win, and you feel like you're just fighting... You're fighting a battle against the country you live in. Mm. That's not just here, that's everywhere. Mm. There are happier countries. Like, some, there's like... I think like Norway is the happiest country in the world, and then next to it, Finland is the one with the highest suicide rates in Europe. It's ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. it it doesn't. No balance. The world's badly divided, isn't it? Well, but... yeah, and I think when you tell people they can be a millionaire, but you won't allow them the opportunity to become a millionaire, it's a bit difficult. Yeah. And I think I think it's systemic, and I think that's the problem. And I think until we start addressing these issues, mm. but how do you address those issues? If people could come social aspects of life are not we have healthcare thank god so we, grateful for that we're going to lose it in the next 10 years because I hope not. and look at america and people dying of not taking their insulin mm. but diabetes is the highest thing over there is like one of the it's highest crazy, kill rates because their food isn't properly set. and you think all this for money all this for money you can't win and i can see and let's say i'm spiraling now thinking about it it's and you can right see though. and you can see why people get there so no i don't think it's a quick fix i think I think you need to prevent it. Prevent. Prevention is always better than cure. Okay. Sorry, that was a long answer. I do apologise. But no, no, don't ever I hope I, I hope I got my point across there. You have definitely got your point across. And I think you're right. I think we all need to look at how we live. Um, but there's so, you know, it's, it's like you think, oh, we're losing a, you know, a, a battle here. But, but then, you know, I'll read something like Ben Fogel, you know, he was thinking of coming off Instagram and not posting certain things on there because he'd had a lot of negativity. And you know what? I look forward to Ben's posts because they're so positive. And, you know, the places he's been in the world, the people that he's met, and you think we live in such a beautiful mm-hmm. planet. And I know it's a bit out there and a bit hippish, but it's the truth. And people don't realise just how simple life can be we are yeah. so caught up in about being the biggest and the best and all the rest of it but that's what's got us into this big mess in the first place yeah. i think if you think every if you think everyone can be the best of what they can be then every then 99% of the population are going to end falling flat yeah. and you can't and it's a shame, and it really is. And, and you, you, what what my solution seems to sound like is tell your kids they can't do what they want. Tell your kids that you'd be lucky to do. That's not what I'm saying, but it seems like being realistic. If you can give realistic information at such a young age, like if your kids ask you a question, 
answer them honestly oh, as I the do. best you can. Like, I'm I mean, trying my best. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> your six-year-old daughter hears a word that she shouldn't have heard. Mm. You've got to explain. You've got to say that is a naughty. That is a word that only mummies and daddies use. What have you? You know, you mm. can. Yeah. That's different. That's protecting and sheltering a young mind. But if a child says to you, "What is?" terrorism and you say you won't answer that question yeah i, I feel pearl like... asked me if there was you i think pearl caught me out and she said to me but you said that that that, that there's all good people in the world and i said there are and good is always better than bad but unfortunately pearl there are some bad people yeah. so yeah you can't just trust everyone and it's horrible that you have to have that conversation but but you have to be realistic and honest when it comes up i think because like you say you got caught out if you get caught out too many times your kids stop listening exactly. to you and they start going to the internet for their answers and that's how you get far-right extremism or you get someone like you mm. you get these people that are asking questions that aren't really being answered and mm. you and like if you don't know something parents can't do this like I, I my parents not every parent my parents they don't know something just say you don't bloody know something now they do but when I was a kid I think, I think honesty with children and how we bring because they kids, pick it up and they, they don't do it's not necessarily the context of what you're talking about they pick up on when you're telling the truth and when you're lying oh they so do kids they are so amazing do. at that so like Pearl will say to me one of the hardest questions is will I have to go back to hospital yes Pearl you will yeah and but that but then she's not going she's going right that's but you lied to me and said I didn't have to go back and then I've got that to deal with so you yeah I think honesty but and even, being realistic with not it, just with children but might, with everybody yeah it might hurt someone and I don't mean telling brutal truths I think that's not yeah, what there's I mean. ways of saying things. But telling there? people the truth, you know, like, okay, Pearl is a great example. Mummy, am I going back to hospital? Do I have to go back to hospital? And you're like, yeah, you Pearl, will. unfortunately, you will. I can't tell you how many times, I don't know, but I know that you will have to. She may feel like, oh God, for that moment, but every time it comes up, she'll just, it'll become part of her life. Right, I've got to go to hospital. It'll become one of those nuisances to her, not not a big deal mm. because you are honest about it and you are and I can tell that and I can see the way you I've met her once and you can see it in her face she's a she's a wonderful child thank you <laughs> you've done a really good job there well it's, it's you know you don't get um, a, a book of rules when you become a parent and you do <laughs> and make it's easy, mistakes and it's easy for me to say it, not having kids and you learn along the way and you think oh you know again like that being but I honest. think it's true with other people's kids you, I know like you got these things where you got like my friend's child asked me a question once and I just went oh that's a question for your dad that. like instead <laughs> of lying that. instead of lying yeah. or I was like that's a question for you then I went and told Dale before he asked me Dale he's asked me this question I said that's probably a question for you I don't know I didn't want to deal with it and he's like thank you but I should st I mean that's a good way of dealing with it like but if he asked me a question that I could answer and lie about for example I'm just going to damage him, and then it's not my child. And it's, mm. I think you've got to be honest with other people's kids. I don't think you should hit other people's yeah, kids, but I think it you is. should. It's like the pressures that are put on kids at school. I think it all does stem from our society and how we have got, you know, results that we have to tick here and tick Participation there and... trophies are actually more damaging to a child than a child that loses. Because you know that you know what happens, it's, and this is really linked to depression and stuff. So you got. 10 kids, bronze, silver, gold. The kids that lost feel devastated they lost, but they go, I want to get at least bronze next time. Yeah. And they learn the idea of healthy they competition. They do. You've got 10 people, all of them get a trophy the same. First goes, what was the point? Last goes, I know I don't deserve this. I'm embarrassed they've given me. And they get embarrassed and they get these idiosyncrasies. 
And a perfect example is um, Sports Day. Sports Day. They've changed it. I went to my daughter's first um, Sports Day and it was that. They were all in the same races. But the way they did it was they're in sort of earth, fire and water. Mm. So it was whoever got the most points right. that won. So there was clear winners. Yeah. But I think it's good to sort of make it individual. I mean, it might not be for everyone, but for me, when I was at school, I didn't like school mm. very much, but I absolutely loved sports and yeah. PE. That was where I was happy. That was where I was good at something. Yeah. So I was good at running good at javelin you know I found it so when it came to me competing yes I was so nervous I can still remember when I won the 100 <laughs> meters in the last year of high school yeah because I was a bit rebellious at that point I thought oh you might I'm, not be able to race I might not be yeah I might not be as quick as I was last year because I've been a bit naughty but um and I won mm. but I was so nervous but the fact that I won I was like yes I've still got it um, and I just think, yeah, for that reason. But then the kid that comes second goes, I lost to the best. The third person goes, I lost to the two best. Anyone who doesn't get a medal goes, I wasn't. It, it teaches people a valuable lesson. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's like um, The Voice. You know, the, I was watching The Voice Kids on Saturday and there was a, a kid that didn't get in the year before um, and was really, really upset about it. I had a couple of other things going on and he came back and he got through. So it's, it's it does teach you something, mm. and I think yeah, I think the, I mean <laughs> I know learned. we've gone off on a massive tangent. No, but, but it's important. I think it still it links, <laughs> like because that kid then went on and went. I know that I need to be better to get what I want. Yeah. So when he got what he wanted, he was, I did it as opposed to, yeah, come in and it's like you don't learn anything. You you coast. You see these people, rich kids syndrome, where they just don't have any concept of anything, and it and they get depressed because no one's real around them you know everyone suffers in some way or form like not to the extent some people do but everyone has those things and by being honest by having that and i don't necessarily mean meritocracy which is what it is mm. but breeding healthy culture around things like now i mean kids are committing suicide it's disgusting i mean they have for years but it's disgusting it is kids who don't even understand life yet are committing yeah. suicide because they feel the pressures. They're being bullied. I know those people oh, are bullied. they've got so much pressure on them at school with these exams at such a young age. There was a lady on here, Lainey Walsh, and she was saying, you know, this girl's pulling out her own eyelashes. Mm. It's not Seven on. and eight years of age. <laughs> and and then, you get, then you've got... So then, this is a great one. So every year, the GCSEs come around and they pass. They get, they're better than the year before. Do you know what people say? The, say parents of the older generation. Oh, it's easier nowadays. Great. So you've made this kid suffer for an entire three years of his high school. And then school, you turn around and, and then say you say, that. it doesn't matter because it's easier. Oh. Do you know it's not? Do you know it's no, actually God, not? No, yeah, completely. There's things it's so learn, much harder. There's things they learn about now I would never dreamt of learning no, about. But, I, I mean, and then they well, get I'm A's, amazed. And you get A's and you're like, I've done it. And then someone says to you, yeah, whatever. It's like the opposite, where you're like, you're not... That's why a grade system is a grade system, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we've moved on far too off But yeah, topic. I think you're right. I'll be I angry think, I think that, yeah, that would be... That's, that's the cure to start early with how you bring your children up, um, being honest. Um, so... And society, and, you know, the government not being the yeah, government. Yeah, definitely. It's got a big, big part to play in it. But it doesn't make them money, so... Okay, so before I ask the last question... If you were the ambassador 
of mental health of, of this country or the world wow, yeah. and destigmatizing it what would you do to stop it we might be parts of what we've just discussed well, to so. stop this um stigmatism uh, to stop people what to destigmatize so uh, yeah. okay um i would for a start i wouldn't destigmatize it i wouldn't even it would just be a thing that is discussed yes like the fact that people think it's something that needs to be that's the sad thing you're like oh this thing we need we need awareness which we do but we need awareness to bring this up so people understand that it's not xyz it's like well no what we actually need is for people to stop thinking prejudiced things anyway which is beyond people's nature <laughs> you need to talk about it like it's normal like not not bring it up like pride pride is important but to me i'm like i don't care if people have pride or not like pride month pride week pride year because it doesn't affect me because i don't care if they're gay or not i really don't care yeah like i have gay friends who gives it who cares <laughs> like their life is their life they need that pride because they need some people aren't as open-minded and i i would say i'm intelligently open-minded i'm still not there yet with some like emotional side of things like but I'm intelligently there like I know it's normal I don't care about it it doesn't affect me sometimes I go oh that's just his that's just my past parents being you know prejudiced although they're not that bad um I would talk about it like it's normal <laughs> and I would have I wouldn't have mental awareness awareness day it's like it doesn't matter no one cares yeah. and then people post things on Facebook saying like oh you know i'm always listening it's like no you're not i know you're not that's a lie you're only putting that on there because you think you are if i went to you now and said hi i need someone to talk to you wouldn't talk to me because you don't like me it shouldn't matter if you like me or not you're you're doing this for likes not because you care whereas me i go to people and i say do you want to talk just pick up the phone so would you take away social media i, I no all I'm, aspects of it no um i think People are toxic for being toxic and people are going to do what they do. I think normalizing mental health so people can see it is more important. So if you see someone on Facebook going, nah, 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 you can private message them, say, look, speak to these people. And if they don't want to help, forget them. They're, they're obviously toxic people. You can't have that in your life. You can try and help as much as you can. I don't think you know, taking, I don't use social media and I don't understand Snapchat, but I understand that kids like it. And you know yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And they they and ninety five percent of them do it fine. Five percent don't. You can't ruin ninety five percent of people's no. enjoyment. But it <laughs> well, does, if it you does. explain to kids, yeah. we've had this conversation before. In school, give them lectures on how to do their taxes, how to order something over the phone, how to understand Real the scam. Show people phishing emails, like spam emails. I know they're getting better on it, but these things that nobody tells you. And then you go into the big world and it's like, hang on, what's council tax? How does that work? Why have I got to pay that? I live here, but why do I have to pay council? Why am I paying ground rent on my flat? I own the flat. I, no one knows these things when they leave uni and they're, oh, sorry, school. And they're expected to just know them. So in those lessons, your sexual health, you've got sexual education, make it sex and health education. Not sexual health, sex and health. So you've got these people you know, okay, it's a teacher telling someone how to put a condom on. No, I'm talking about real. These are things that can happen. If you use these precautionary measures, like you would sex, like sex talk, you would say, if you use a condom, you are less likely to get a disease or catch something. If you use uh, birth control, you're less likely to get pregnant. Not 100%, but 99%. Give them the real facts. Because you know what happens then? Less teenagers get pregnant, less people get sexually transmitted disease, Although HPV in America is huge, like because they don't teach it because they're all like, oh no, let's teach abstinence, which is like telling people stop being sad 
is what abstinence is to sex. It's like telling people, don't have sex. I'm 14 and my hormones are going mad. Don't have sex. Yeah, it doesn't work like that, does it? Yeah, you've got to say, this is why this is happening. Yeah, again, if, like real life lessons, reality. What's going to happen when you leave school you in the big wide that. world? And, and people say, oh, where's the budget? There is. The budget's already yeah. there. You, you're not having to you just, bring things you're in. Just bringing, yeah, you're just, you're just <laughs> adding to it what's you're already just, there. You just talk to people in the sexual and sex and Same health people, education. Same people, don't employ anyone. Yeah, because that's the other thing, is it? It's always budget this or budget that. There are ways around it. Well, you don't even have the budget. Like, <clears throat> if you go on to any study, you're already an academic place. You should have resources for that. If you don't, shouldn't be an academic study anyway and you can search and find stats and say right one in three males suffer no two in three males suffer from depression one in five of them will commit suicide before 30 and then that is like a what mm. and then explain why explain and then get people to debate ethical talks at young ages get these kids engaged mm. another thing teach politics once a once a month just so kids are aware of what's going on. Because when they get to 17, 16, or 18, sorry, they're expected, this is 16, they're expected to vote. Yeah. But they have no idea what they're voting on, but no. their parents say, well, I like him because I don't like the blacks or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you get this, I know that was a bad example, but <laughs> you get that, your parents, yeah. um, your parents. I'd vote Green Party. That's yeah, I, I'd vote Green. It's a wasted vote, but I'd vote them. But but if it's everyone, a, exactly. if everyone started so if to you, not, but if but that's about, the reason. People probably don't because they think it's wasted. Vote, Green Party. So think party. about this. So if you're teaching kids, from 10 years old every month one lesson just one lesson every month just about um what's going on in politics what that matters what these parties stand for in as much objectivity as you can these kids are going to go it's same with religion if you showed everyone religion then you showed everyone evolution whatever they decide is their journey i think most people will choose evolution kids the reason why they don't want to do it is, you can imagine, is because mm. you'd have more left voting people, and that means the conservatives and the right wing people wouldn't get as many votes in theory. But if how it should be, though. Well, it should be based on informed choice, mm. which is the last thing the government want, which is why it doesn't happen. But you should be teaching, like mental health, it's the same thing. Like Completely. people are going to be sad. You're going to get depressed. One in three of you in this room are going to be depressed. It's, you tell people. Like you can Awareness. Cancer, mm. you see on TV, one in three people will be affected by cancer. And you're like, you look, and I do it every time, you look yeah, in the room and you shit, go, shit, there's two of us in this room yeah. that are going to get cancer or be affected yeah. by cancer. Completely. And like, but at least you're aware. But then they're like, give us money. Okay, yeah, great. Why not do the same sort of thing with mental health? Like, one in three, and I mean it, one in three people say, if you've read a statistic that even one in ten people between the age of 25 and 40 is going to die today, one that is ridiculous state it should be well you can never stop everyone you should be talking thousands not every tens exactly and i completely uh, agree Joey. all you need to do is tell people about it anyway yeah that's my my fix would be literally to get educate it people educate people yeah. on, on it bring it in love it very passionate okay last question do you have a favourite life quote that springs to mind? Yes. Death be not proud, for some have called thee mighty and dreadful, how art not so. It's, uh, I think it's John Donne or something like that. It's a poem. Mm. I can't remember for the life of me who it is. But uh, it's basically a poem about 
death comes for everyone and he's not scared of him in he, he fact he's laughing at him because he's like yep death you come for us but today you're not coming for me yeah i get to live another day and i used to be very negative in a very dark place and that quote for some reason has made me think again cheerful nihilism nothing really matters just enjoy yourself mm. so now i get to look at myself and think death be not proud he's not like he's not coming to get you out of some sort of sense of pleasure it's death is death it comes to us all the reaper is one of my favorite things from history like myth mythological history okay. and uh, the ferryman or whatever you want to call him uh, on the river sticks with the two coins on the eyes love it so that's where that i've started researching quotes like that and that quote i always thought it meant like oh you know it's dark and then i actually read the meaning into and it, it. Isn't and it's not it's the complete opposite. the opposite it's mocking yeah. death because death can't get him today. Mm. I get to live another day and it's just brilliant. But yeah, that's that's my quote, that's my life quote. Okay. Well, that's brilliant and wonderful. I really feel like you've been passionate and really added some different views from what I've had before on mental health and your own battles and struggles. So thank you for coming on. No, thank you so much for letting me uh, share my ramblings of a madman. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs>